Hi there, you're listening to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Kara. This is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. Today's topic is... Highly sensitive person. Welcome back to book club. Whoop, whoop. I'm very excited. I love that we are able to share books with each other, whether they're books I give you for your birthday or books that you give me. Uh, in this case, this was a book that you were re- you had started reading it and you mentioned it to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about this concept from Susan Cain's book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Won't Stop Talking which we've both read. So you described the book to me and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd read that. So I also read it. And now we're here to talk about The Highly Sensitive Person by Dr. Elaine Aaron. She's a psychologist who coined the term highly sensitive person and has done a lot of the research in this field, although not all of it. And as she says in the book, quite a bit of what she's done is just kind of like put this label on existing research, kind of like gathered research from different places, because part of what she wants to do is be able to differentiate among a lot of other terms like introvert and extrovert, but she feels their their definitions have drifted over the years. And sometimes we apply them in ways that uh, maybe are counterproductive or um you know, people might apply them to themselves, but she's like, these have really kind of lost any use as psychological terms. So she wanted to use something that she could quantify a bit better. Um, And she does include like one of the things that I know you enjoy about your books is when they give you homework. (laughs) And she she includes at (laughs) the end of- I'm a sick bitch like that. (laughs) (laughs) And in many other ways. Uh, yes. <laughs> and she includes at the end of many of the chapters, little worksheets, little exercises you can do. And in the introduction itself, she includes a diagnostic test where she says, you know, if you pass a certain threshold, you're probably highly sensitive. Obviously, mm-hmm. like any test that you can get from a book, it's not 100% yes or no, you're highly sensitive. If you don't meet the threshold, that doesn't mean you're not highly sensitive. It just means that how you answered the the test questions or the criteria in the test don't quite capture your sensitivity. Yeah. And, and also to mention that like she herself is a highly sensitive person, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's like part of what intrigued her was like, okay, we have these definitions of extrovert, introversion, anxiety, but it's like there's something else that's missing between all of this very interesting book and I think the way that we approached it or read it was like very different which was pretty interesting like I really really took my time mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna lie it was pretty triggering for me um, just because society 
and people close to me like sort of shamed me for this trait. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure about you, but I would often be told like, you're too sensitive. Like, don't take this to heart or, you know, you have to get thicker skin. And I, I just always felt like, damn, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why do I take things so personally? Or why do things affect me um, differently? And so for me, it it was, it was very like eye opening. And it, and it really hit the nail on the head for a lot of things that I experienced in childhood, being a teen, even now. So I went very, very, very slowly through the book. I didn't do every single exercise because that required a lot of work, a lot of reflection, but I tried to do as much as I can. And I think my approach was just like, okay, I want to read this once, kind of let it sink in, and then I'll probably come back to the book at some point and really go through, all right, what are some of these exercises? What do I think would be beneficial for me or or what can I leave? But for you, how was your how did you find your approach? Well, you know me. I devour books like they are the finest of drugs. <laughs> and yeah, I read this over the course of about a week. It takes me longer to work my way through these kinds of nonfiction books than some other ones. I've probably always known I'm highly sensitive, even before I had the label for it. And I think I probably came to terms with that earlier in my life. And I think a lot of the work I've done as an adult has been not to acknowledge that, but to ask myself, okay, well, you're aware of this aspect of yourself. How can we work around that to make sure it's not a barrier to you forming the types of close, intimate, platonic relationships that you really need? And so something that I enjoyed about this book is, of course, the way it relates with the ideas of introversion and extroversion. You know, and I, I consider myself a hard introvert. I recharge being by myself and I'm drained when I'm with other people with certain exceptions like yourself. <laughs> and yeah, I just I, I've always known that about myself. So the label of highly sensitive is helpful for me because it distinguishes how I experience the world from yeah. whom I want to experience it with. So as an introvert, I often want to experience the world on my own or with a small group of select people I'm very comfortable with. As a highly sensitive person, I experience the world in a way that's often overstimulating. So I suppose we should probably define highly sensitive yeah. person at this point. Yeah, let's go through it. So I like I like the acronym that she uses. So she uses uh, DOES, D-O-E-S, to describe what it means to be a highly sensitive person. So D is for depth of processing. So ten, it's the tendency to process information more deeply. So highly sensitive people do this whether they're aware of it or not, which I find very interesting. So you could think that, I don't know, going for a walk is not super highly stimulating consciously, but unconsciously, maybe your mind is processing so many of the nuances that's going around the different types of houses, the people, um, the birds chirping, et cetera, et cetera. 
And O is for overstimulating. So HSPs tend to quote unquote wear out sooner because they do notice every little thing in a situation. And if the situation is complicated, so like there's lots of things going on, many things to remember, uh, or it's intense, like it's noisy, cluttered, or perhaps it goes on for too long. So an example would be like having like a two hour commute. We feel very overwhelmed and very drained. So then E is emotional reactivity. HSPs react more to both positive and negative experiences. Can be good, but it can also, again, be very wearing on us. Uh, E is also for empathy um, because sometimes HSPs don't know how someone else feels, but actually feel that way themselves to some extent. And I think this one in particular, I was like, oh, yes, like, I totally know what this means and what this feels like because let's say I go to a party or I'm interacting with someone and maybe I can't pinpoint it right away. Like maybe I can't say like, oh, this person is uh, really frustrated or whatever because they're trying to hide it and they're trying to mask it, but their emotions are just like, their feelings are just really coming off of them. I pick up on that like right away. And I've had to learn, I don't know about you, Cara, but I've really had to learn like how to separate somebody else's emotion versus like my own and not to like take it on as as how I feel. Yeah, I often describe myself as I have an overactive empathy circuit. <laughs> um, mm, and I, I don't I like know, that. I don't know how much of that is innate and how much of that is learned. Yeah, I, I find it I have a hard time switching off my feelings. Um, mm. And it's most difficult because I I, but is it about switching off your feelings sometimes like do you okay like do you yeah you feel like it's about well it's about being able to function interesting yeah like because I'm such a carer Mm -hmm. like that is how I see myself right is I want to help my friends I want to be there for my friends so when Mm -hmm. I have a friend who's going through like a difficult time Mm-hmm. And I know I, I there's only so much I can do to support that person. Sometimes that that feeling of like I wish I could do more is very mm-hmm. debilitating because mm. you know it's this blocking thing of like I want to do more, but I know I can't do more. I'm doing all that I possibly can, and I kind of get stuck in this little spiral of empathy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's something I'm currently working on. I think is how do I. Mm-hmm regulate my empathy better without completely shutting it off because I don't want to be apathetic towards people. Yeah. I just want yeah. to be able to firewall my empathy so that I can deal with those emotions when I want to deal with them and, you know, mm-hmm. push them to the side when I need to because I got to go to work in the morning. Right. Okay, okay. I see I see what you're saying. It's like we we both experience that, but to a, to a different degree or like in different situations. Like me, it's more of somebody's emotions can bleed into me, hmm. if that makes sense. If somebody comes in and they're really angry and I can feel that, it's almost like, I don't want to say like I have to put like a wall up, but I sort of have to just recognize that like that's how they feel. That's on them. That's not for me to take on. Yes. And it's obviously harder the closer you are to someone. If it's a complete stranger, 
whatever, that's fine. Um, but if it's somebody like very close to me, it's like, of course I'm empathetic, but, but there's a difference between being empathetic and being like, okay, I I recognize what you're going through rather than like taking that on and being like, oh, well now I feel extremely sad. And where does that leave us? Like that doesn't help anyone. Right. You and I have had conversations about this, you know, about, uh, the best ways for us to make sure that we're not dumping on each other and respecting each other's mm-hmm. uh, empathy capacities and, and whatnot, which I think is a, a good thing for any yeah. set of friends to do is always check in with your friends and, and set boundaries and have conversations about how you want to have conversations. Mm, I like um, that. <laughs> but I also, so I think this also relates to something that you had in your notes uh, about. Wait, 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 hang on. I'm not done the acronym. Give me one second. Okay. So S is sensing the subtle. So our awareness of subtleties is useful in like countless ways. So it could be like from simple pleasures in life to strategizing a response based on our awareness of others, nonverbal cues. Again, that like they may have no idea they are giving off about their mood. Um, Yeah. So I, I feel like that describes it pretty well. I think Sometimes when we think of someone being sensitive, we think of like criticism in particular, right? Like, oh, like mm-hmm. they took that, like they took that to heart. They're too sensitive, blah, 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 blah. But you had also mentioned this and you had said, it's how I'm wired. And that's definitely an important thing to note. It's like, this is your nervous system and this is like how it relates to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's an extremely important thing. I just wanted to make a connection between the emotional reactivity and something you had in your notes here about how um, you always feel like your emotions are too big because mm. I definitely relate to that. That's that's what I feel like is my overactive empathy is. So you were okay. describing it as like, I take on the other person's feelings. And in my case, I think it might be more that their feelings trigger a, a cascade of my feelings and and those may not be the same feelings that the other person's having but their okay. emotions trigger my emotions and then i'm suddenly overwhelmed mm. by my emotions being so big that they impede my ability to function because i'm so caught up in that emotion and this is something i've struggled more with since i started taking hormones and taking an anti-androgen to suppress my testosterone, taking estrogen daily. Um, you know, one of the side effects of that hormone therapy can be mood swings and it can be increased sensitivity to uh, moods. And I've definitely felt that where it's like in the past, I would still feel that my emotions are too big, but I was probably more capable of suppressing that. Whereas now when I have like a wave of two big emotions hit me, my defenses feel like far more brittle. And that's something I've really had to adjust to in the uh, year and a half or so that I've been on hormones is like, wow, like I'm really feeling these emotions now. Like I'm much more prone to just crying and just like letting all the emotions out and just like 
you know, I feel like that girl from Mean Girls who doesn't even go to that school, but she's just like, I just have so many feelings. That's me. Yes. Like, that's how I feel now all the time. And, and that's been quite an adjustment for me. Yeah, that can definitely be overwhelming. And like you were saying, it's like sometimes your emotions feel so big. Like for me, it's like, yeah. I think more so with certain emotions, but even even happiness or, or feeling elated, it's like I can go from feeling in the middle, content to like super, super happy, energetic. And yeah. it's not that I'm like, oh, this scares me or like this is too much. But there there was a point when I when I was in when I was in psychology when I was doing my degree and I was like Tam, like I have very extreme emotions mm. and I'm like, maybe I'm bipolar. But then I looked up like the personality characteristics and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not bipolar. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing to me is that I have always described myself as a very mellow person. And I, I think you would describe me that way as well, because I tend not to let things get to me. Like I, I, I feel like I take most of things in stride. But I find that although I am outwardly mellow towards people, like I don't manifest my emotions, I think what I really only started realizing after I started taking hormones was, wow, like I actually do feel those emotions inside. It's just I was better at ignoring them. Mm. And now it's like they're they're louder and I can't ignore them as much. Mm. That is so interesting. Yeah, I think I think honestly, though, this book was just so necessary and like the the time that it came out and I would like to go back and just say like I had this book for about five years okay and like before I moved to Montreal so one of my friends uh had recommended it to me and I was like oh this sounds really interesting I went in and bought it and I literally had it in a box for when I was moving to Montreal I still have like two boxes at my parents just with like <laughs> random crap in it. And it wasn't until, well, you and I were both reading Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And it was when they had mentioned the highly sensitive person. She referenced this book and I was like, oh, wait a second. I think I have this book because from all of the things that were mentioned in the book Quiet, the thing that resonated with me the most was the highly sensitive person. And I yes, because like, oh, I yeah. remember right? reading Quiet. Uh, we kind of did a buddy read of it. And I came to you afterwards and I'm like, Rebecca, this is you. Because I know I am 100% hard introvert. I know you've had a little bit more of a journey of uh, discovering how you identify on the introvert extrovert spectrum. And I'll let you explain that. But, you know, you mm -hmm. have traditionally thought of yourself as more extroverted than me and so like I've always you know I I know that you have those introverted tendencies but like you're more outgoing so I know you're not as much of an introvert as me but when I was reading the highly sensitive part and how she's explaining how like a lot of extroverts can be highly sensitive and people mm. mistake that as introversion because there's this overlap yeah. and I'm like that's Rebecca I'm like Rebecca's yeah. outgoing and likes to spend time with other people but she gets overstimulated re really easily and she's really sensitive to people's emotions. Like I knew that about you and I was yeah. reading that section and I'm like, oh my God, this explains 
yes. like our compatibility, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the overlap. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, because reading that book, Quiet, I was like, you know, I can relate to some of the things she was saying about introversion, but I was like, eh, still can't fully relate. I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, I have like some tendencies and it's like, I feel like when I was younger, like I... I was definitely like more like shy, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean I was introverted, but I sort of had learned to be a little bit more outgoing. And then I think it's, I also think too, like when I moved, I mean, that was like a whole experience too. And I was like warming up to people. So of course, like I wasn't outgoing right at the get-go when I was being introduced to, to new people in Thunder Bay. But yeah, it was interesting when they mentioned how highly sensitive and I was like, oh yeah, because I do have like some extroverted tendencies as well, but like that doesn't fully explain it. And I was like, oh, highly sensitive. Yes, yes, yes. And I was like, I think I have this book somewhere. And then sure <laughs> enough, I found it and I started reading it. I was like, Cara, like you need to read this book. Like I was just like absolutely blown away. And you weren't it. wrong. Speaking of things we found interesting from this book, and I'm not sure about you, but I loved when she was talking about how uh, you could be out too much or in too much. Can you remind me what that was? Yes, because uh, you're highly sen- we're highly sensitive. You know, we could be like overstimulated or understimulated. And let's say if you're going out a lot, seeing your friends or you're not taking the time to like fully recharge or to fully honor your trait. That means you could be like out too much. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're overstimulated okay. to a certain extent, but then you could also do the very opposite. And obviously there's a range, but you could be in too much. So let's say you're like, okay, I know I'm highly sensitive. I know that things overwhelm me a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I really, really take that time to recharge, but you're doing it maybe too much. Like you're almost like overcompensating. That was how I felt during most of the pandemic, right? Like you and I had this conversation about how I'm an introvert and I Mm -hmm. suffer. And and I think a lot of people were like, oh, the poor extroverts, they can't leave. And the introverts are all going to be happy in their houses by themselves. It's like, no, because (laughs) suddenly in my case, because my job is teaching, that was my source of socializing for most of my days, right? And that would kind of use up my limited energy. And then I'd go home and I'd be by myself and I'd recharge. Suddenly, I'm not getting that. So suddenly, I'm an introvert. And the way I like to describe it is my battery became overcharged and I had no way of discharging it. Mm, yeah. I think that point about understimulation is really important. So thank you for bringing that up because... We shouldn't lose sight of that when we talk about how HSPs can are often prone to overstimulation. I think the understimulation angle is useful too, because it reminds me of how Aaron talks about the fact that we need all types of people. So like there are certain, for example, jobs where if you're an HSP, that job is going to not be good for you. Uh, especially tedious, repetitive jobs, because you're not going to be stimulated enough. And I remember this being the case when we worked at the art gallery together. And there were times when I was just so bored because we wouldn't have anything to do. There was nobody there or 
you know, there was an event going on and I just had to kind of like stand there and wait for it to be over. And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even like I, w- I would have cleaned. I would have gone and washed dishes if, if I could have. But I just had to stand there. And mm-hmm. I hated that because it wasn't stimulating my brain at all. So I can only imagine like if I had a job where I had to stand guard or something. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it's not for me. And even right now as a teacher, right? Like I have my moments where, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm something I'm finding unsatisfying about my job right now is just the fact that <sighs> things are getting a little better, but I'm still lacking that kind of sense of community in my classroom. And I have these moments where I leave my job feeling like oh, I wasn't really stimulated today. And, and mm. that's not very satisfying to me. And that's the understimulation aspect of being highly sensitive. Whereas there's plenty of people in the world who will stand guard outside a door, you know, for an mm-hmm. eight hour shift. And they're totally fine doing that because their brain just works differently. Hmm. No, I think, I think that's a, an excellent point. And I think for me, it was like, I was like, oh yeah, like I, because I sort of have to balance like, oh, I'm an HSP, but I'm also like a little bit more like extroverted. It's like, I do enjoy being around others and I I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy going to events. I mean, you know this, everybody, most people know this. Um, So it's like, that's no surprise to me, but it's like, I'm always aware that like I can easily overdo it. I can easily Mm -hmm. be out too much. And then that's like, that's not good. That's not good for my mental health, even like my physical health. Like I I feel it, like my body feels it. And I think that also plays into like aha moment where I realized when she was talking about like, you can feel overstimulated and that's more, more likely what you're feeling rather than like, you're not, you're not exactly feeling like anxious mm-hmm. or like fearful. And I was like, oh yeah. Cause like, I don't know if I would necessarily class my, classify myself as like an, a really anxious person. I have some anxiousness as do like do most people. I think most mm-hmm. people feel like anxious, depressed, you know, there's, there's a range, there's a, there's a spectrum, there's phases, but I wouldn't classify myself and say like, oh, I for sure have anxiety I have moments, but maybe those moments are actually me just feeling overstimulated. Oh, I relate to that so much. And I had the same kind of experience because I have almost an identical note in my notes here. Um, (laughs) Because it's all about arousal, right? It's all about what arouses you and and the different, Mm -hmm. the specific stimuli might be different, right? So like for you, it could be noise. For me, it could be smells. Like it's just different things, right? Um, Yeah. But... Yeah. And and I can remember, I have a very acute example of this. You know, when I was visiting you one time in Montreal, we went Mm -hmm. to a cafe. You remember the one with the cereal? Yeah. And you wanted to talk to the owner about some influencer stuff. And so you went outside and you sat at a table and you were chatting with him for a little bit. And I was sitting inside and it just, it took a little bit longer than we expected or whatever. But for some reason... I started to feel anxious and the feeling got worse and worse and worse. And when you came back inside, I'm just like, I just want to get out of here. And we Mm -hmm. walked back to the Metro and I pretty much collapsed outside of the Metro and I needed to sit there for a while. You, and you were very good. Mm. You're so 
so good mm-hmm. when uh, when I'm not at my best. And I appreciate you for that. But that was me being over aroused. And it, it wasn't from anything particularly obvious because the cafe was closing at that point and it wasn't busy, but it was a little colder there than one might have liked. So I think the temperature had something to do with it. I think just mm-hmm. all of the interactions the newness, we had. maybe? Sorry? Mm-hmm. Like the newness of, of, of everything? Like yep. Yeah. The cafe, inter- just walking through Montreal city. all day with you yep. was part of it. Very it's overstimulating. It was the end of a mm-hmm. long day. And so that all could just kind of, it came crashing down on me. Right. And I, yeah. I shut down and I'm just like, I started crying and I'm, you know, and, and I felt bad because I was there to have a good time with you. And I felt like I was ruining things. Um, it, it felt like a reprise of another experience I had back so many years ago when I went to visit a friend, Lauren, in Ohio. And I was there to visit her for about two weeks. We had lots of fun times. And uh, at one point, I went with her to a kid's birthday party. It was a kid that she had babysat. Hmm. So her, the parents had invited her to this kid's birthday party. And I, as we were leaving, at the end of it, I started crying in her car as we drove back to her house. And I was just like... Hmm. Again, I was much. embarrassed. Yeah, it was. Just, mm. I was so overstimulated by the whole day and meeting so many new people, having to interact, you know, it was too much. Yeah. And so, yeah. but I'm, I'm emphasizing this feeling of embarrassment because I want to kind of unpack that and kind of talk about how mm-hmm. like, that's something I'm still working on is not apologizing for having these moments of vulnerability because I know mm-hmm. that you are okay with me being vulnerable. And you've shown me Mm -hmm. that and you've proved that to me. Yet I still feel that embarrassment when I break down in front of you or other close friends. And I think that says something about the fucked up messaging we get from society about how you have to be a castle. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It absolutely does because it's like society and and we can talk about this for a bit and we can bring it back to what you were saying. but. I know what you mean. It's like society is always like, you have to be resilient. You have to be strong. Don't show your vulnerabilities. Like, otherwise you're weak. And I think this goes for everyone. Like, nobody's excluded, whatever gender you are. Obviously, like, mm-hmm. more like it's, it's extra emphasized, I think, for men. But regardless, it's like, that was definitely a message I was told mm-hmm. when I was younger or dealing with things I'm not and I'm not trying to say like I was never allowed to cry or I was never allowed to have emotions but it's just also I think that the time when we were growing up as well and and even our society now it's like no like don't cry at work like don't you know like don't show your your weaknesses or your vulnerabilities and it's just so messed up yeah we're both millennials and I don't know about you, but I feel targeted sometimes because there's all these articles about millennials <laughs> being special snowflakes, right? We've killed every industry, apparently, and we can't afford our houses <laughs> because we eat too much avocado toast, which I got to say, Rebecca, um, <laughs> like I have a house. I don't eat avocado toast. Yeah. You don't have a house. There you must do be eat a correlation. Toast, so I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have to stop eating the avocado toast. What the hell? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like, I feel like speaking of generations that 
Mm-hmm. We millennials get this bad rap where it's like, oh, you're special snowflakes. <clears throat> and if you stopped being so sensitive, you know, and just put your heads down and worked in your career for 20 years like I did, then of course you get ahead. And I, there's not that acknowledgement. The world has changed. We can't stay at the same job for 20 years because that's just not possible in most cases. Those jobs won't exist for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I found Anne Helen Peterson's The Burnout Generation. There's another book recommendation for people. Very gratifying in this sense, as she described some of the challenges that millennials are facing as we transition from uh, adolescence and youth into adulthood, because most of us are now into our 30s. So it's it's a struggle, because like you said, um, as we were being raised, I don't think people made the space for us to talk about our emotions like that. Mm. Oh, I love how you just said that. Yeah. The space. Yeah. The space wasn't made. So it's like we just kind of had to forge that. Well, because that's how I feel like, you know, that was what was so valuable to me about how you reacted when I broke down was you just sat there and you listened. You know, you kind of patted my back and you let me cry and you were very reassuring. And, you know, you, you didn't try to minimize anything and you didn't really try to like fix anything you were just like I'm, I'm just here for this you know and that's exactly what I needed at the time and I, I really value all of the people in my life who are able to do that for me and I think it's been a very healthy thing for me and it's helped me understand my emotions better there's the whole chapter on relationships and it resonated with me even though I don't have any romantic partners it made me think about my intense friendships because one of the things she says is that highly sensitive people are more likely to have a smaller number of more intense friendships, especially with other highly sensitive people. And I'm like, oh my God, like, are you spying on me, woman? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that is me to a T. I have always had yes. a small number of close friendships. And yeah. as I've entered adulthood, um, something I've really enjoyed is being able to form these core friendships that help me and are my support network, you know, and one of our earliest episodes on this podcast was being a heavy door, right? And we talked about our first impressions of each other. And we talked about how you had, you feel like you had to work to uh, <laughs> become my friend and you did um, yeah. because I, I am a heavy door. And I, I think something this book helped me better understand I I think I understood this before, but the book sort of gave me more words for it. Part of the reason my door is so heavy is because I am afraid I will be too intense in a new friendship and that's going to push somebody away. And I think I felt, I feel that way because in the past, I had many experiences with casual friends who would bail on me at the last minute you know, and not kind of like come through when I was expecting them for like a social thing. And that kind of um, conditioned me to Mm -hmm. worry that I was coming on too strong. And so I built up this this wall of like, I'm going to be a little bit more standoffish because if I reveal my intensity too early, they're going to run away from me. And fortunately, you didn't fall for my ploy. And I'm very grateful. <laughs> and my other best friend didn't even notice the heavy door. Um, 
probably because you had busted it wide open, but you know, she just went for it. And she and I have just perfectly matching levels of intensity. And it's one of my most cherished things about that friendship. And so that's, I think, kind of the the anthem of my 30s is, damn it, Kara, uh, stop worrying about how intense you are, because either they're going to be turned off and run away, in which case they can't handle you and they don't deserve you, or they're going to match your intensity and those are the people you want anyway. Mm. Yeah, like it's almost like you might as well just be upfront about it in the first place because, like you said, they they take it or they leave it and that's totally their loss if they're not taking that. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> I think the last thing for me is like... I just wanted to mention like the whole like corporate job. <laughs> oh, yeah. So some, as somebody who's embedded in the corporate world right now, um, uh-huh. what have you noticed as a highly sensitive person works or doesn't work for you in terms of your job and your, your leader, mm-hmm. boss's leadership styles and stuff? Whew, that's a really great question. I think that I don't want to be like, oh, I'm special and, like, I notice uh, either, like, a really positive culture versus, like, a very toxic one. It's just that I'm more sensitive to what's going on around me. So it's, Mm -hmm. like, I – it's harder for me to ignore a toxic work environment, I think. I agree. And when that's the case, it's, like, I either want to try to push for some positive change or – that's when you leave the company. But in terms of like leadership, I would say I don't do well with a leader who has a lot of ups and downs, if that makes sense. Like mood, mood wise, I mean, I I don't respond well to someone that's like they take whatever that they were dealing with and then they kind of lay it out on you. So let's say they had a bad call with the client and then they have a meeting with you or your team and you can sense that from them. Like, it's almost like I need someone who can mask that. Right. Because, because otherwise... Because you're, so, you're sensitive enough that you're going to pick up on it. And yes, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I need uh-huh. somebody who isn't going to pass their worries down on to me. Mm, exactly. Yeah. I think it's about that. And, and, and also, it's just about being self-aware. It's like, how, how are they turning that around? Yeah. And, you know, uh, fear is a tactic is never, never works and will never work for me. So, yeah, I really admire someone who can be inspiring and, and motivating and uh, has faith in their team. Well, you heard it mm. here, prospective employers. <laughs> What I want out of a company. <laughs> so, Kara, is there anything else that you would like to add about being a highly sensitive person? Two things. I found Erin's comments mm-hmm. on sleep quite eye-opening. Mm. She she has a chapter devoted to sleep and stuff. And she talks about how highly sensitive people will often just lie in a bed, even if they can't fall asleep. Because it's a way of limiting your stimulation if you're overstimulated. And... I can really relate to that. I do that quite a lot in my life. And I also will like lie on my couch or when the weather is nice enough, I'll lie on my deck. Um, 
and not listen to music, not read a book, just lie there, listen to nature around me, close my eyes, limit my stimulation. And I didn't realize that was just a tactic I've developed as a highly sensitive person to help me with overstimulation. So it was nice to see that reflected in the book. The other thing I would say is um, I have a question now that I need to explore, which is how does being highly sensitive intersect with being neurodivergent? That's a label that Ooh, I'm exploring for myself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out how I am neurodivergent. It's something that, you know, I've talked a little bit mm-hmm. with my therapist. I, I'm very aware of neurodivergence. I follow a lot of neurodivergent people, various kinds on Twitter. I don't necessarily think I need to get any kind of official diagnosis related to being neurodivergent, but I'm also not too comfortable claiming that label publicly or anything yet because I'm still not mm-hmm. sure how it describes me. Uh, so yeah, so for me, it's just kind of like, okay, I know I'm highly sensitive. I know I'm introverted. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm neurodivergent in some way. It's like, how do all these things kind of come together to make me Kara? Mm. I love that. I, lo- I love that you're exploring this and you're thinking of yourself in new ways or just seeing what works for you and, and what doesn't and yeah, what makes you you. All right. Well, Becky, uh, if anybody wants to write into us, uh, share their thoughts on highly sensitive people or this book, how can they contact us? You guys can email us at we just like to talk at gmail.com. I never check it. I hope Kara does. Sometimes. <laughs> you can also <laughs> follow our Facebook page, We Just Like to Talk, and you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Excellent. Well, (laughs) Becky, thank you for being a highly sensitive person in my life. I don't think I would grow as much as I am if it were not for you cheering me on. Aw, same here, my friend. I'm glad we have this in common as well. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. I cannot (laughs) wait until the next book club. Yay, me too.